The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, a recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. The former Speaker of the House of Delegates, Kirk Cox, announced a series of education proposals Thursday to help students struggling in the new world of virtual learning. Cox, who's also running for governor, says the General Assembly needs to act now before school's out for summer. Patrick Larson reports. The retired high school teacher says Virginia needs to make up for learning lost due to the coronavirus pandemic. A lost year cannot become a lost generation. Delegate Cox urged the General Assembly to pass 10 policies he says will help students get back on track. Chief among them, funding for one-on-one or small group tutoring available to all students and an optional summer school program. He said that would require mobilizing Virginia's retired, substitute, and student teacher workforce. Cox estimates that this would cost about $85 million. The Virginia Education Association, the state's largest teachers' union, has previously rebuffed calls to reopen schools before all teachers are vaccinated. Patrick Larson, VPM News. The Virginia House of Delegates approved a bill yesterday to mandate essential workers get one week of paid sick leave each year. It would only apply to certain categories of workers like first responders, health care providers, and retail employees. The bill has faced pushback from groups like the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Nicole Riley is NFIB's state director. It really reduces a small business's flexibility in trying to address paid sick leave for their employees, what works best for them, both for their employees and for their business operations. The bill would exempt businesses with less than 25 employees from having to provide paid sick leave. It faces a tougher challenge in the Senate, where similar legislation was rejected last year. After several delays, the Henrico School Board held a special meeting Thursday to make a final decision about when students can return to in-person instruction. Alan Rodriguez-Espinoza breaks down the district's new plan. Henrico students in pre-K through second grade will return on February 22nd. The rest of elementary students and students in 6th and 9th grade can come back to the classroom a week after that on March 1st. These students would be coming back before all staff who wanted the COVID-19 vaccine have had their second dose. That means in-person classes will only be held Mondays and Tuesdays. This lets teachers work from home the rest of the week in case they have a bad reaction to the vaccine. The remaining middle and high school students can come back March 8th after teachers are fully vaccinated. From this point on, every school day will be in person except for Wednesdays, which remain off. Remote learning will remain an option for families. Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, VPM News. Virginia Senator Mark Warner held a press conference yesterday to address COVID-19 relief. He says he's hoping for bipartisan support for proposed legislation. Warner also addressed delays in raising Virginia's minimum wage to $15 an hour. But we've got to start down that path because each year that we punt, we put more people into poverty. Warner also talked about the bill he introduced last month to expand access to affordable, healthy food in areas identified as food deserts. The House version of the measure will be co-sponsored by Virginia Congressman Donald McEachin. State lawmakers are moving at breakneck speed to legalize recreational marijuana in Virginia. 
As Whitney Evans reports, their plans could provide a clean slate for thousands of people convicted of marijuana offenses. Lawmakers are relying on a battery of research to back up their legalization proposals, and they've promised to focus on repairing harm caused by marijuana prohibition and the war on drugs. Proponents of legalization, like Jen Michelle Padini with Virginia Normal, say they're getting it mostly right. I want everyone to feel good in the regard that Virginia is the single most prepared state in the history of any state to undertake a legislative or referendum initiative to legalize the responsible use of cannabis by adults. Law enforcement groups largely oppose legalization. Dana Schrad with the Virginia Association of Chiefs of Police says they're especially concerned about road safety and whether officers will have the tools to enforce impaired driving laws. I think that the General Assembly is challenged to try to sort of take this legislation in a short session like this and really grasp the impact of what legalization will do in the Commonwealth of Virginia. The legalization of recreational marijuana use for adults could happen as soon as July 1st, even if retail sales won't begin until 2024. Ashna Khanna with the ACLU of Virginia says this will prevent a lot of arrests in the meantime. It's going to take time to set up, but we can't risk more people getting caught up into the system for acting in ways that will be legal soon. Both proposals would permit people over 21 to have as much as an ounce of marijuana, but some penalties would still exist for larger quantities or attempting to sell marijuana without a license. And both bills require people under 21 caught with marijuana to pay a $25 fine and undergo drug treatment. Brian Kennedy is a public defender and head of the group Justice Forward Virginia. He says that will lead to a lot of young people going on probation. Just like most people who get caught drinking once when they're college age or high school age don't need alcohol treatment and probation, most people probably won't need that for a single marijuana possession. Some lawmakers echoed concerns about the continued focus on punishment. I don't think we should be really focusing a lot of our energies on how do we continue to penalize and punish people. Uh, for marijuana use. Delegate Don Scott of Portsmouth said in a recent House committee hearing, the state should obviously be concerned about underage use. But we have to understand, don't be naive. It's happening already. We have a $1.8 billion market. Us passing this bill or not is not going to stop young people from using marijuana. In the same committee hearing, several lawmakers asked, well, how should the state address the issue? Bedini with Virginia Normal said the U.S. has had two decades of cannabis regulation to sort that out. It is, in fact, evidence-based education that is most greatly reducing youth consumption. The two bills also provide a path for people with lower-level marijuana convictions to have their records thrown out. But it could be months or even years after marijuana is legalized because Virginia has to update its antiquated record-keeping systems. For most people who have most types of marijuana convictions, there is going to be relief coming down the pike. But public defender Brian Kennedy says for most people to take advantage of that relief, expungement needs to be automatic, something the House and Senate are still deliberating. He says requiring someone to petition to have their record cleared can be onerous and expensive. Especially for people who are poor or who work jobs where they can't take time off, it can be a really large burden to get something very important done. Democrats only have a couple of weeks left in the General Assembly session to iron out these critical details. Whitney Evans, VPM News. Fifteen states have legalized recreational marijuana, generating huge profits, but that money has often not reached black communities targeted in the war on drugs. As Ben Pavier reports, advocates say Virginia has the chance to learn from other states' mistakes. 
Mike Thomas grew up around plants. He remembers summers on his grandfather's farm. You know, just touching plants and being around and just hands in dirt and watching things grow from nothing. His passion eventually led him to marijuana, a plant that landed him in jail for a stretch as a young man. He later learned to grow it as hemp. You know, I've risked my life for the plant, basically. I've, I've done time for the plant. As Virginia lawmakers move to legalize marijuana, they're considering a social equity program to help people like Thomas. He would like to offer high-end, small-batch cannabis, similar to the brewery down the road. Like legends have their craft beer, we can, you know, have some craft cannabis. There's nothing small about nearby Greenleaf. It's Richmond's first medical marijuana dispensary. And you can smell the 10,000 cannabis plants before you see them. Samer Alamona is the dispensary's director of operations. So as you can see, all different shapes and sizes. And that's because there's 70 different strains in here. The $25 million facility is a well-oiled machine. Alamona is the plant's caretaker, even when he's at home. I can go into the system, I can send food to them, I can turn their lights off, I can turn their lights on. Just 11,000 people have registered for Virginia's new medical marijuana program. But Alamona says things will pick up. The pie is big enough for all of us. And there's room for bigger operators, there's room for smaller operators. Still, the marijuana industry is becoming more concentrated. In December, Greenleaf was purchased by Columbia Care, a publicly traded firm with an all-white executive management team. Civil rights attorney Akili Parnell says he thinks national cannabis companies will dominate, but he says there's still room for everyone else. Even if, you know, black and brown folks walk away with 10% of the market share, that's still billions of dollars. Parnell has watched Illinois' social equity program languish since it started last year. He says Virginia can learn from their mistakes. The first thing they need to do is slow down and don't rush. A delay would give smaller players a chance to set up. It's one reason Virginia lawmakers push back retail cannabis sales until 2024. Parnell says the state should also be careful about who is included in the Commonwealth's social equity program. The Illinois defined social equity probably too broadly, in my opinion. And what that did is it allowed lots of folks who aren't actually disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs to qualify as social equity applicants. Virginia's criteria currently includes people with a marijuana conviction and graduates of historically black colleges and universities. They'd also get access to low-interest loans. Phil Goldberg, the CEO of Greenleaf, says the state's dispensaries can offer training and funding. You don't want to just give out licenses to minorities and say, we've taken care of our quote-unquote minority problem with, with a lack of diversity in the cannabis industry. Otherwise, you're setting these minority groups up for failure. He also has words of caution. A lot of people think the cannabis industry, if you get a license, it's gold and you're just going to make money. It is extremely difficult. Still, Mike Thomas says he has an edge over the big guys. You know, you're trying to mass produce something that, you, you know, really deserves care and needs, you know, a little bit of love thrown in there. The debate in Richmond may soon be coming to Washington. Democrats in Congress plan on pushing legalization this year. Ben Pavier, VPM News. There's more to explore in this two-part series on marijuana legalization. Learn more at vpm.org slash General Assembly. This newscast was recorded on Thursday, February 4th at 6 p.m. Some of these stories may have changed from the time you've heard them. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at myvpm.
VPM.